Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And let's begin our time together by saying, Happy New Year. Anybody want to repeat the last year? No. And let's hope this and pray that this coming year is not a repeat of 2021. I'm not going to preach to you today. I'd much rather just talk with you. This gospel text, which is the basis of my message this morning, is very difficult to preach on. It looks like you have Jesus, the perfect child, and Mary Joseph, his earthly parents, doing the best they can, and they have a problem. And as I read the text and thought about it, I struggled with whether or not I should pursue it or go back to the, one, the epistle in which Paul talks about our heavenly blessings in Christ to the Ephesians, or the account of Solomon, the most influential ruler of Israel, following his father, David. But I kept being drawn back to this text. And I think it's because there's a modern day approach here from the text to people who experience children who go missing. Luke is the only gospel writer who talks about this. This event is not mentioned, this event of Jesus going to the temple instead of going home with his parents. It's not mentioned in Matthew, in Mark, or John, just Luke. And if you're reading through the Gospel of Luke, you run smack dab into it. It's about 12 short verses. It begins with the explanation that Jesus grew in wisdom and strength. Then Luke describes what happened and he concludes, and he grew and increased in wisdom, stature, and strength in favor of all the God and all the people. But what happened between those two bookends was very difficult for Mary and Joseph, and I think for even Jesus. Move ahead to current times. Remember when you would buy a carton of milk, and it wasn't in a plastic bottle, it was a carton, and on the back of it would be a picture of a child who's missing. And they were all over the country, and the hope was that someone would recognize this child and report to the local authorities to have it rescued. What Jesus and Mary and Joseph experienced 2,000 years ago is repeated in our society even today. It's been experienced by my wife and I 40 years ago. And what I found in my own experience as I studied this text and prayed about it, thought about it, talked with my wife about it, it really stirred up some old issues, some old memories that I'd rather not have, some things and some events that took place that were not very nice at all. In our case, it was one of our teenage daughters who suddenly disappeared out of the house at night, gone, not a word. And contacted her friends, they knew nothing or said they did. And for three days, we didn't know where she was. And so you see, as I read about Jesus' parents looking for him for three days, I know what Mary and Joseph are going through. It was 
It was pure hell is what it was. You live in fear. You live in confusion. And even though our situation eventually had a positive end to it, it left a lot of issues unresolved that survived even the past 40 years. But I concluded in preparing for today that this event is in the scriptures for a reason, for a good reason. Everything in there in the Bible is there for a good reason. And it's there so we can honestly, or at least me, can honestly trust God to guide us in the process of healing. And I speak with the permission of my wife, who was as much involved in this as I was perhaps even more at times. So again, here's a summary of the important event itself. Jesus is 12 years of age, and Alfred Edersheim, in his massive work, The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah, goes into great detail about what a boy at 12 years old would expect in, in Israel. It was a rite of passage for him to go to his first Passover. And as part of that celebration, Jesus, as a 12-year-old boy, would become a member of a group called a son of the Torah, a son of the law, a religious organization. Now, to qualify admission to this group, he would have had really strict religious instruction from birth until he's 12 years old. So he spent a lot of time with local rabbis and other teachers of the law in his local synagogues. This was a matter of great honor for Jesus and for his family as well. And I'm sure he was excited and the parents and all the family members who went along would be excited as well. So they go down to Jerusalem and he becomes part of the group, the son of the Torah, complete all the festivities and all the obligations and ceremonies that take place. And then they begin to head back to Nazareth. And in his small group Bible study material, Lyman Coleman points out that when people traveled in groups in the Holy Land, they did it with family members and neighbors and associates. And so the trip home at the forefront of the group would be the women. And then at the back of the group would be the boys and the young children playing as the whole ensemble moved forward and the men. And obviously everybody knew everybody and everybody had an eye out for everybody, but somehow Jesus got mixed. He was missed. If they took account before they started, he wasn't in it, and they didn't notice. And so they traveled for a full day on foot before they realized Jesus is not around. So Mary and Joseph do what any parent would do. You go asking around, have you seen my boy? Have you seen Jesus? You know him. He's always in the synagogue, always asking questions. And fear begins to stir up in their lives, and in their, in their blood pressure is getting high, you can be sure of that. And when they realize he's not in their caravan group, they go back to Jerusalem. So that's an un, another day of travel. And they spend three days looking for him. 
Now we can criticize them all we want for not going to the temple first, but when you're in the position of looking for your child, you're not thinking with your head, you're thinking with your heart. You're terrified something has happened to my child. Something has happened, it could be violent. So I would like for you to put yourself in that position of Mary and Joseph this morning. And to just give you a little help here, I extracted four questions from a small group Bible study on this text that may help you think and feel how Joseph and Mary felt and thought when it happened to them. First of all, in, in general, what do you think about how Mary and Joseph acted in this story? We've heard it read. Do you think they were responding with negligence? Were they behaving like any normal family or any normal family parents? Was it that he didn't understand their son? Does that explain some of their behavior? But how would you have reacted if you were in that group and it was you that found Jesus? Would you cry and hug him? Or would you give him a lecture on responsibility as a parent? Would you gently rebuke him? Or would you ground him? We tried that. It didn't work too well. Third, what insight do you get from this text when you get, go into it deeply about a young Jesus? Remember, he's 12 years old. He knew he was God's son. He was, do you think he thought he was independent? He had knowledge and understanding of what was going on? We just don't know. And fourth, what lesson can you take from this event? Is it that even Jesus' parents had to go through stress and challenges in the process of raising him? Is it even Jesus did things that worried his parents from time to time? He was part of a normal family. In fact, 12 years had gone by, and it's very possible that they already had other brothers. And as most families go, family members don't always understand each other clearly and can be misunderstood. In fact, when Jesus as an adult is in his early part of his ministry, his mother and brothers try to tone him down in his comments because of the reputation he's gaining. But now back here on this journey from Jerusalem, he's 12 years old, he's had 12 years of training with local rabbis and synagogue leaders and he's also probably had some contact with his cousin, who will be known as John the Baptist. And Mary and Joseph and the group, the extended family, all go to Jerusalem, where Jesus worships in the temple for the first time, becomes a member of the son of Torah, and head back home. As I said earlier, when you discover that your children are missing, you realize if something has gone terribly wrong and your nor normal mental processes begin to shut down and you think and act on emotion instead of logic. As I said before, you're terrified that something violent could happen to your child. We know that fear, that confusion, that helplessness, the anger, the grief, it all gets mixed up and it all becomes overwhelming, especially at time, as time passes and the child is not found. And what's making it worse is whether 
when there are no professional experienced people to help you lead the search effort. As I said, our event in our lives did not end with tragedy. When we got the phone call connecting us with our daughter, all the fear gave way to joy. When Mary and Joseph connected with Jesus in the temple, their fear was gone, just instantly. But the first parenting thing they had to say was, I believe, anything any parent would say. Why did you do this to us? And Jesus explains, but it only leaves them more confused. Moses and Mary and Joseph are talking about how they worried, how they turned Jerusalem upside down looking for him, and, and how they checked until they checked the temple. And who knows how that happened? And even then, what Jesus says has to hurt Joseph a little bit. Because Jesus refers to the temple as his father's house, not the house that Joseph has provided him for all these years. So there's a lot going on with Mary and Joseph. They're ecstatic that he's okay and they're back together again. And they're hurt at the very same time. Now Jesus was not rebuking Mary and Joseph when he said, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? I think he was helping them see that he was less, that because he was changing so much at this critical age in his life, he was becoming less a son according to his humanity to them and more the son of God in terms of his ministry from the God the Father. He was beginning to understand that he was doing more than putting on and participating in Jewish festivals according to the law. He was and it was starting to sink in, he was fulfilling the law perfectly to lead his people into his father's eternal home. That was his mission. And it sounds like he was eagerly accepting it. I'm sure there was a lot of joy in that temple that night or afternoon whenever they found him, from the teachers as well as the family. But I think there must have been total silence in the temple as Jesus, Mary, and Joseph came to a reconciliation. I couldn't explain what that could possibly be in words, but I can image it in my mind as a painting. And I would have Mary and Joseph standing there facing Jesus to the left of Jesus. And on his right, I would have something that transmitted or stood for the God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit on the right hand of Jesus. I don't know the words were spoken, but at least the message was delivered to Jesus, that he had a lot more growing to do to fully understand what is going to be the Son of God and the Savior of the world. I say that because Luke simply says, Jesus went home with them. It's kind of like they were all standing around, they were hugging, laughing, glad to be together again. And Mary says, let's go home. And they go home. And as Luke describes the other part of his gospel, he ends that section, he says, and Jesus increased in wisdom, stature and strength and favor of God 
and man of all people. And Mary treasured all these things in her heart. And I wouldn't be surprised she had a special collection somewhere in their small, very ordinary home where she kept mementos of the time when she is in the temple shortly after Jesus' birth. And she hears those terrible news from the, the priest there that this son will bring pain to her life. And he does. And this is one more thing to add until when he's 33 at the foot of the cross, she sees in agony that tears her apart, her son dying. Well, they went home. But what did they do with the hurt? How did they handle that? Something happened to handle the hurt they experienced that I've missed for a long time, for 40 years. Because what happened to us, my wife and I, still hurts when I think about it. I think it was something like this. Somehow Jesus, totally divine and totally human, stands there as the only cure, the only solace and comfort for his mother and his father. And somehow he communicates to them that he loves them and that he will assume their hurts and their pains with his life. And they don't understand that, but he knows what it involves. And they won't understand it until they see him on a cross and then see him outside his empty tomb. For us in this world, when we experience the, the absence of our children in our lives, either because they run away or they're abducted or whatever it is, our hurt doesn't go away that easily. It's always fresh. It's always just under our skin. So the scriptures tell us that God works all things together for those who are called according to his purpose. Just, he's, just like we've said in the children's message, in a situation like this, you always, always go to the Lord. And there you can leave it. And as the hurt reoccurs, you take it to the Lord and leave it. Cast all your cares on the Lord because he loves you and cares for you. The scriptures say we rejoice in our sufferings. They are not a mark of shame. They are a mark of humanity. And we rejoice in our sufferings because they produce endurance, the ability to get through this crisis we're in. And they produce hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love is what we're hoping in. And he pours it into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And then finally in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the real key article to our source of comfort in all this hurt that accumulates in our lives from things that happened long ago is blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comfort us in all our afflictions so we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. A lot of words to say, what God does to comfort us, we share with those who need comfort. And that's what happened with us 40 years ago. We received comfort from people 
aware of our situation, who've been through it, who shared the same faith as we did as well. But that wasn't always the case for a lot of people. And it wasn't the case back then that we had a Stephen ministry, ministry in our congregation, but it would only been for three years. But now these things exist and they're available. And if you've been stirred up by anything I've said, I sincerely apologize. Because I know what you're going through. Help is here. Hope is here. Where Christ is, there's hope. Always hope. Well, the story my wife and I doesn't end at that point. Stuck with a lot of more fresh hope or great uh, fresh hurt and suffering. Because about two years ago, a little miracle happened. We've been separated from our kids for a long time because of jobs and so forth. They're out on the East Coast, we're out here in the West. We seldom get together. So things don't get resolved easily. But a couple of years ago, out of the blue, for no reason we can still figure out, we received a letter from our daughter totally reconciling to us, totally forgiving, pushing all the issues out of the way, rebuilding the communication lines, the trust lines, the love lines. I don't know what else to say. I think Mary and Joseph didn't know what else to say. They were happy to be together. They were happy no one got hurt. And they're glad. They were glad to be in the presence of the Lord. Let's go back to that little painting I sort of described of Mary and Joseph standing with Jesus and a symbol of God the Father and the Holy Spirit to the right of Jesus. Somehow, after standing there in silence, Mary said, or Joseph said, let's go home. And they went home to Nazareth, and he was submissive to them, and increased in wisdom, stature, knowledge, and favor with God and man. May that happen to all of us as we fall on Christ and follow his lead as he leads us to our eternal home. Amen.